Welcome to the Leading Real Change podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Kerr, an expert in workplace culture change. From my unique background in behavior science, public health, and community advocacy, I help corporate leaders with evidence-based individual team and organizational change to create thriving workplace cultures for all. In the Leading Real Change podcast, I interview dedicated and passionate change makers about their careers, how they lead change, and what leaders can do today to make a difference, to build healthy, inclusive workplace cultures for all. I'm excited to share these examples of real workplace change with you. You'll learn about effective strategies that are working and how to overcome real barriers to change that challenge us every day. I hope you'll feel inspired and more confident to keep leading change in your workplace. Please share this podcast with other HR, DEI or ERG leaders who you know are working hard but are struggling to have an impact and need more support to effectively create a thriving workplace culture for all today. My name is Rachel Shemarani, and I'm Senior Vice President of Barron's Market. We are a chain of natural and organic grocery stores in Southern California. This is my family's business. So I work with my father, my uncles, my sister. This business is literally, I would say, in my blood. We've been talking about this since we were children at around the dinner table. And I'm just so happy to be here and, and talk with you today. Thank you so much. And I didn't know that family aspect because that can lead to its own challenges, right? But do not talk about work. Talk about an exercise in boundaries. <laughs> that has definitely been something we've all kind of had to learn, but I think we've done it really successfully. Our measure of success with the family business is are we still talking to each other at Thanksgiving? We are. And do we still sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner? We are. And we still enjoy each other. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's a great bar to set. (laughs) So Rachel, go ahead and, and tell me about what your company has been through since the pandemic. Tell us about that experience for your workers, for yourself, for your customers. And then we'll talk a little bit more too about more recent changes that you're trying to make to do even better. So tell us this story of when toilet paper and cheese, I couldn't find cheese and my husband found it. And he was so excited. He found cheese. And when we got it home and started using it, it tasted terrible. And it it turned out that it was vegan cheese and we hadn't even noticed it on the label because we were so excited. But every time we made it, we're going, doesn't quite taste right. (laughs) So there was our first world problems. There was our first world problems having to eat vegan cheese. So please go ahead and tell us what you and your organization have been through. Absolutely. I will never forget this day. It was Friday, March 13th, 2020. And all of our managers had gathered together at a brand new store that we were going to open two months later in May. And all of the managers and assistant managers gathered at the store so that we could do on the spot interviews because we were doing a hiring fair. And very quickly, within an hour, all the managers' cell phones were ringing and they said, come back to the store, come back to the store, come back to the store. 
we now have a lot of people, we're getting sold out of product, we're freaking out. So within an hour, all the managers went back to the store. And I think that was the beginning of life as we know it. That was definitely the change. In January, we were watching news reports of something called COVID coronavirus happening. And we're lucky enough that our home office sits above a warehouse and distribution center, about 40,000 square feet. And we said, you know what, let's just order some extra. We ended up ordering about four months worth of extra inventory, dry goods, chips, wine, (laughs) frozen stuff. We rented a freezer, just ordered some frozen stuff just in case if worse comes to worse, these items have a long shelf life. If nothing happens, we'll sell through it. It's fine. We sold out that four months of inventory within two weeks. It was very intense. At that time, I could say throughout most of 2020, it felt like we were making huge decisions that would have typically taken one or two months to make a final decision within an hour. And it was constant. It was constant decision making. And because we were a grocery store, people needed to go grocery shopping. We were very important to the communities. We didn't want to leave the communities. And even though we were scared, even though our employees were scared, we just knew we had to keep pushing, moving, going, making these big decisions. It really felt like a whirlwind. I remember after the first month or so, I kept saying, okay, when things calm down, I've since stopped saying that. That is no longer in my vocabulary because it felt like I was tempting something in the universe to say, oh, I don't know. That will not be happening. And between the constant decision-making and decision-making for really big procedural changes within our company, that we don't make those decisions that quickly, to keeping our workforce safe, to keeping our shelves stocked, we very quickly went from using our typical distributor to going to a restaurant distributor because restaurants were closed within a week or two. And now we're able to get all of our needs from the restaurants. And we kept hearing from our customers, we feel so safe shopping in your store because your shelves are full. There, When you walk into a store, and I'm sure everyone can remember walking into a store, seeing empty shelves and immediately panicking and going, all right, I'm going to buy this gluten-free, sugar-free, keto-friendly frozen waffle that I've never looked twice at, but I'm going to buy it because what's going to happen? And we made very sure to pivot very quickly. We're very grateful to have pivoted very quickly to keep our shelf stocked so that we would not induce panic in our customers and then panic with our employees. So we get through that first month or so of the pandemic. And then the mask mandates were happening and customers, and I'm sure people have seen this all over the news as customers upset with the laws and taking it out on grocery stores or other retail establishments saying, we're just following laws right now. And that really put a lot of stress on our employees. And it was trying to keep them safe in a different way. We felt like we had a good idea of how to keep them safe for the most part. And then 
now we're like, okay, now we really got to be tough with some of these customers that are just acting just very out of character. We've never seen anything like this in the grocery space before. So going through all of that, while our employees, we hire a lot of moms and now, okay, they got to come to work or they've got to stay home and, and, you know, help be with them through virtual learning. We were very conscious of, you have to do what, what you need to do for your family. That's first and foremost. And we'll talk a little about how we approach employees in general, but we are grateful that we've been able this last year to take a step back, to take a deep breath as a company and say, okay, let's get back to basics. Where are we? What do we need to do? What does our workforce look like now? What do we look like now? We're grateful that our values are still the same, even more important than ever. But this past year has really been about building back up and readjusting to the past, I would say two or three years and get on kind of solid ground again, which has been nice. That's an incredible story. And I think you set it up well, <clears throat> because you started, it was March 13th, <laughs> Friday, March 13th, an apparently unlucky day. Oh my goodness. And that you even gave up saying, okay, when this calms down. So yeah, I think that's important. The things you mentioned there in terms of one, being able to pivot and be flexible as a company. That's what we've seen also, for example, in response to burnout. The companies that could do that during COVID the quickest and most effectively were the ones that were most successful. And I just love that you prepared in advance and had extra stock. And I never thought about that. I experienced that panic of the shelves being empty and how it made me feel. And it was so interesting because I've never had a problem grocery shopping before, but for months during the pandemic, I just didn't want to go because I would always feel anxiety. I couldn't explain it, whether it was because of being around other people or because of seeing the shelves empty. And it was not having an effect on our lives, but I could just feel my body every time I walked into a store have this sort of elevated anxiety. So it's so interesting how something that I quite enjoyed before, because I love cooking and I love shopping to cook, suddenly became this activity that was, yeah, anxiety provoking. Yeah, I remember getting an email from a customer pretty early on. We adopted a lot of the sanitary measures, but just extra, just as much as we could um, to make sure people felt safe. And there was a woman, she was a young mother. She had a toddler, she was pregnant, and her husband was overseas, worked for the military, and sent us this beautiful heartfelt email saying, I have been so scared, and going to your store is the only place that I felt safe. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what we're doing is not just the everyday providing groceries, we're taking care of our communities. We've always felt that way on some level. But this really made it just so present. What we were doing, what our people were doing was really taking care of our communities. And while we've always known this, in order for us to take care of our communities, we have to take care of our people. We've always felt that way, but now more than ever, if you are not taking care of your people, you are not taking care of the customer. 
at all. That's so important. Oh my goodness, that story gave me goosebumps. That's incredible. Thank you. We were in the midst of the chaos to read something like that. It was like, okay, that's sustaining us a little bit. Just this moment of what we're really doing. I think that's so important, this shift to understanding that when we have a human first approach, then that actually is totally a customer first approach. But there's still definitely struggles for companies to do that. And we'll get into some of these changes that you've been making to make it even better. But I just wanted to think through a little bit in terms of your experience of managing change, because I'm a behavior change scientist. I try to teach people that managing change and being flexible and adaptable and calm when there is chaos is such an important leadership quality. So tell me a little bit how you as a team or yourself personally, and you mentioned values, what are the things that help you know how to make these decisions and also how you manage to manage change and stay calm? I will say personally, when all of this was happening, I remember very distinctly never feeling like, you know, we'd be at work, we'd come into the office, It was eerie driving the roads when no one else was making these huge decisions, exhausted. You come home, there was no real way to turn off like I used to. I couldn't turn on the TV to just zone out because it was news and so much was going on and it was so scary. I couldn't go to social media and scroll and zone out. None of those typical, okay, I just need to zone out was working anymore. And, or meeting friends, even though I work with my family, seeing my friends having a social life, whatever, again, very distinctly, that was not safe at the moment. And so what was I going to do to get some sense of grounding? I just remember feeling I need to ground myself just for a minute. And so it was just very conscious efforts at the time going to therapy. I'm a big proponent of therapy, going outside even if it was just in my backyard, which is a privilege to have anyways, but just going outside and looking at nature, just 15 minutes was just such a grounding thing. And then also this kind of sense that we really are all in this together. We really are, even though we all have different challenges, the way that we're going to get through this is if we're taking care of each other. And knowing that, just really fortified me into just continuing. The goal no longer was to sell products. The goal was to take care of each other, take care of our employees, take care of our customers. And when that's the goal, it's it's easy. To, you're doing something that, that feels good and feels right and feels important. Something that we do in the industry, so even before the pandemic happened, which I think it's important to point out We're independent family-run grocery store. And what independent retailers like ourselves do very well is put our employees first. It's a very human approach of what we do. We put our people first and that's how we make all of our decisions. What the big guys, so the big companies, they completely do the opposite. And You can tell when you walk into a retail establishment, especially a big one or a big grocery store, the person behind the register is nine times out of a 10 miserable. And you can see that. And that experience like, oh gosh, this is terrible. And so throughout the pandemic, when there was such a spotlight, 
on grocery store workers. I thought, oh, please let this wake up those big retailers. Please wake up. I don't think they have still, unfortunately. Their employees are definitely a number. And I'm grateful that, again, before the pandemic even happened, it's people first, our employees are first. Again, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of your customers. And a part of that, a big part of our culture, I would say, is honesty. And I'm going to use this word. It sounds silly, but it doesn't. Don't be a bully. Treat people like human beings. If I could take all of our core values to one core value is treat people like human beings. If someone is consistently coming late to work, ask them, hi, why are you coming late to work? Oh, the bus schedule does this. Can I change your work hours? Yes, you can. Great. We are all happy. We always say too, before an employee, you think they're not working. Something's not working right here. Don't go up to them. Don't write them up. Go back and read our values. Read our values. Are you yourself doing everything you can? Did you not put them in the right position? Should they actually be in another department because they excel so well? Again, it's treating people like human beings is such a simple concept. Obviously, very complicated and hard to do because you're a human being yourself. We all have emotions. We all have good days. We all have bad days. We all have stuff outside of work that absolutely comes in to work. And if you're able to look at the people on your staff as well-rounded, whole human beings and not just robots that must do everything perfectly, that's how your business is going to be successful. Great. Those are such fantastic examples. Because again, I think it's assuming the best intent in people. And if something's not working out, there is a reason for it. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. It's something that they can own and that we can help them change through, as you say, sometimes it's logistics. Sometimes it's a change in job. Sometimes it's job crafting, finding that thing that they do love. We always say too, it's even in our values, in our manual at the end, if you do not love what you're doing here, we beg you to find another job. We really, we beg you, we want you to be happy. <laughs> we want you to feel good about this, which leads me to changes we did last year, the end of last year. But yeah, that's something important for us to do. And I think it was so important what you said about this change in purpose. So having a purpose and having community, both those things can help prevent burnout. Sometimes that's what happens. People get very isolated in burnout. And sometimes burnout is due to not having a purpose. Sometimes you're very passionate and have a huge purpose and you still burn out. But oftentimes there's not that connection for workers between what they're doing and that purpose. So again, you saw this new and greater purpose in what you had that was also related to community. Because again, when we find a purpose with others is a huge part of also preventing burnout. So I think those things are so important. And I love the nature and therapy as two sort of personal recommendations. I'm the same with nature. Literally, if I touch a tree, I can feel that 
the anxiety that the grocery store was taking, it decreases. I can literally feel it in my body. And also I did actually research, that was part of my research career, was seeing the benefits of nature. And that was what was great, seeing how many people were working in the neighborhood or going to parks. And I was so glad when they opened the parks up, they opened the beaches back up because those were places that were safe. Let's transition now to what you have been doing to make things even better in the last six months or so. And again, thank you for saying it. I keep saying this and I worry about labels, but at the same time, this is bad bosses. What is causing (laughs) these problems in the workplace is burnout, bias, and bad bosses. And so it's like, what can we do to change those things? Go ahead and tell me what you guys have been doing. So one of the big things, it was a real shift I wouldn't even say it's a shift. I feel like we've been coming up to this kind of idea, but we finally said it out loud was this job should not be the only thing that makes you happy. This job should not be the only thing that fulfills you. This job should not be the answer to all the questions in your life, which in America Everyone identifies themselves typically with what they do for a living. And we thought if we're really going to treat people like well-rounded human beings, we need to honor the other parts that are not part of this job. And our managers and our assistant managers since the beginning of Barron's Market has worked 50-hour work weeks, which in our industry is pretty good. 50 hours is on the low end. We also require that they take two back-to-back days off. So you're not taking a Tuesday and a Sunday. You're taking either a Friday, Saturday, or a Sunday, Monday. So one of those have to be weekend days, but it's two back-to-back days off. And we said, we're putting the end to that 50-hour work week. We want you to now work 40 hours maximum. Some of the managers who have been working 50 hours, we said, listen, this is up to you because We need to talk to individually. You're going to get a bit of a pay cut. Let's you and I talk. Can you do this? Can you not do this? Do you have a spouse or a partner that's working? It's expensive to live here. Do you have children at home? Do you have children? Are you paying for college? What's going on? And individually spoke to each of them. And we did not expect many people to take it because listen, it's tough, especially now with inflation and everything's going up. And way more managers and assistant managers took that opportunity. They went home. They said, okay, let me figure this out. Let's budget it. Yeah, we can absolutely do this. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to spend more time on my hobbies. I want to spend more time traveling. This job is not going to be the end all and be all for me. I'm not going to pour myself. And again, we want you to avoid burnout. And what's really cool is that we have a couple of managers that are in their 60s and they're considering retirement and they immediately took this 40 hours and they're like, instead of retiring next year, I've got three or four more years in me. And the change in attitude and energy of the people that are now working 40 hours, I can't, it's like a weight has been lifted off of them. And it was like, yes, because 10 hour days at the job that's very physical, that's dealing with people, that's dealing with employees and all the complications of how people are. It's a lot. 
And that has just completely just flipped the switch. It's just breathed energy and air into our workforce. And it's very exciting. And it's pretty much the opposite of what the entire industry is doing. And we're so happy with the results. That's fascinating to hear that. And again, there are so many more studies now out there about the four-day week and how it's not leading to a loss of productivity in any way. And I think in some industries, they are able to keep the same day for the four days because the productivity is equal. But you're in a different situation. You're not just doing computer work or whatever. You have to cover all the shifts, you have to cover all the hours. It's not like the lights turn off because no one's in on a Friday. So we save some money on the lights or whatever. And we've even found in most of the cases, those two extra hours. So after working eight hours, that two extra hours, productivity just tanks. And so why are we doing this? It's not benefiting us. It's not benefiting our employee at all. You know, why are we doing this? And that was just, huge and they were so happy and again it wasn't a blanket statement it wasn't like oh we're gonna do this and you gotta adapt it's literally talking to every single person is this gonna work for you is this not gonna work for you is it gonna work for you maybe a year from now is it gonna work for you you let us know let's have a continuing conversation there's no pressure this option is open for you but we want happy people We want fulfilled, satisfied, happy people. And we know that we are just a small sliver of the pie that makes people happy. And we have a lot of respect and value for that. Yeah, that's so important. Great. So yeah, that sounds like such an amazing and positive change. Tell me about some of the others. We also increased our benefits as well. So again, in the grocery industry, we increased our employee discount to help offset when they go grocery food shopping. That's been really helpful. We also added vacation benefits to clerks. So typically vacation benefits are really for people in supervisory or management positions. And now we said clerks are working as much. Why can't we just add that for them? So we added vacation. All of this costs the company money, of course. And looked, we did studies about all of this, but it's so worth it when you have a clerk, even if they're 18 years old, they come in, I can take a couple of vacation days, I'll get paid for it. That was huge. And we really want to be a place where people love to work. We're also trying to hopefully make some differences in the actual industry at large to show working in a grocery store is not a throwaway position. You can make really good money, It's fun, it's exciting, it's creative, it's interesting. It really appeals to so many different types of people and what they're good at and different strengths. This isn't a throwaway job. Come and check it out. It's a fun place to work. We think you're gonna have a great time. And also you're not gonna kill yourself working here. Again, I say some of the big guys, we've heard stories of people working 80 hour weeks. Why are they working 80 hours a week? Because they have to meet a certain number. Okay, you need to cut your hours for your entire staff. Who picks that up is the salaried manager. So those managers get burned out so quickly. And as soon as they meet the numbers, the regional managers, your hours have to be this much. As soon as they meet it, they lower it again. Who's absorbing all those other hours is the salaried managers. And what a quick way 
to burn someone out and to make them hate what they do when they're spending more of their waking hours at work trying to impress a regional manager or district manager rather than at home with their family. So we're really proud of those changes we've made and we think it's exciting. I will say too, I'm really proud of with the news of layoffs is we've never laid off anybody ever. We've never had layoffs. And I'm so proud of that. Albertsons and Kroger potentially merging is just a really big news story in the grocery industry. Amazon's grocery store has always been a hot story in the industry. And we say, okay, go ahead, big guys. But also, are you really seeing what you're doing? If Albertsons and Kroger merge, they're going to divest a lot of spaces. They'll be doing layoffs. It just is really sad to see sometimes. Amazon grocery stores, there's one that you and I know of that's been sitting empty for a pretty long time. And, you know, what's going to happen there? It's just... If you don't center people and center your community and understand that your employees are actually part of your community, you're just not going to have a successful business. That's so important. So tell me a little bit how you mentioned that when you were making these adjustments for employees and your managers, that you started to realize you needed to take your own advice, not only probably to help with your mental health, but actually it's so important that we have good role models because if you give other people permission, but don't really demonstrate it yourself, they still don't feel quite safe doing it. Yeah, I remember, especially last year, I kept going to my staff and my colleagues, me, who had taken barely any vacation days saying, when are you people taking a vacation? You guys need to take a vacation. Please take a vacation. And I'm like, okay, it's time to look in the mirror. And at the end of last year, it was me basically saying, okay, we've done all this stuff for everybody else. We're so excited about this, whatever. And that's when I stood up on my soapbox and I said, I will be taking lots of vacation next year. I'm going to take some more time for myself. I'm going to do things that I think that I love or try to see what I love. But it was me, again, on my soapbox, making sure everyone else was taking vacation and doing this. And I don't want you getting burned out and being very careful about it. Meanwhile, I'm Googling how not to get burned out going, no, Rachel, it's time to take your own advice. Because it's so true. We have to model that. We have to make it a safe place. Hey, we are walking the walk. We're talking the talk. We mean what we say. But you have to create that safe space that, no, this isn't the end all and be all of your life. It's not your career. What else are you going to do? But it makes it more interesting. Even though January has started off very busy, (laughs) I am happy to say it's not only busy professionally, but I've been traveling and it's been busy personally too. But the good kind of busy. We all know, I always say the feeling of like excitement and anxiety are just twin sisters (laughs) and really being present to this is actually really exciting. This isn't anxiety, but this is actually exciting. That's what those butterflies are. Yeah, exactly. That's such a good one to call out. And as I say, I think it's so important in terms of that soapbox, not only to role model it 
out loud to your employees? Because we've had this whole kind of discussion about quiet quitting. And so my take on that is if employees don't feel safe, then I actually recommend they quit quietly because it might not be safe for them to do it out loud. But what I do want the managers to do is quit out loud. Say, yes, I am reducing my hours too. I am setting boundaries too. Because it's so important, that role model, but also not just to do it out loud as a role model, not just to do it because then you demonstrate the behaviors that you want others to do. Because sometimes they're like, how do I prevent burnout? Well, you say, here's one way of doing it. But I think the other important part about behavior change is that we don't do it alone. When we do behavior change alone, one, we don't have an accountability partner to help us. Two, we don't have the social support to help us. We don't get the opportunity when we are doing well for someone to give us positive reinforcement and say, you're doing a great job. I really noticed how taking a vacation, you've come back feeling better. That helps. Like we need those opportunities for other people to praise us and how we're making change. Yeah. If we don't do it out loud, like, again, that's what I always recommend to managers. Tell your team what you're trying to do in your managerial and home life. So that they, one, they know what to expect too. Because if you are reducing hours and they're like, oh, who do I talk to now? You've got to have that conversation. But two, so that they can say to their colleagues and employees, can you help me? Can you give me some signal or just a way of checking in with me to help keep me accountable? And it's like, we need that. It's so hard to do on our own. It's so true. And I have to say every quarter we will sit with our district managers and we do evaluations for our our management team. And one of the big things that we have found with mostly women, but with men and women is lack of confidence. And that is up to us that we are always tasking the people that we're teaching, we don't call it training, we call it teaching. It's such a big thing for us, is how can you inspire your employees to be more confident in their decision-making? Because when they're confident, oh my gosh, it's a whole other world. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh, they're coming up with great ideas. And for us to be supportive of them with their creativity and their ideas, but to also feel that confidence, it's that constant discussion with them of, I got your back. I got your back when you're bringing up a new idea. I got your back when you want to take a vacation. For our produce director, this was right before the pandemic, he stated very loudly, my son and I want to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And we said, bon voyage. We're so excited for them. But it's so true that out loud communication, I think, builds your employees' confidence saying, I feel safe here. I feel safe to make mistakes. I'm not going to be humiliated. I feel safe to make mistakes. I feel safe to come up with new ideas. And I feel safe to take some time for myself and say out loud what my values are and what my priorities are in life. And it doesn't make me less of an excellent employee. In fact, it makes me a better employee. Exactly. That confidence is so great that you touched on that because it is that confidence that is key to behavior change. Again, the skills we usually need to learn, and then we just need that time to be able to have the practice and build that confidence because then it really leads to the mastery and the change that we need to see. It's so important. So just thinking about going forward, I loved hearing how you're trying to change the industry. I'm sure you have ideas of what next, what other changes would you like to see personally, organizationally, and in your industry? I am really trying to bring, and I think what we're all trying to bring right now, just on a high level, is 
more joy in our everyday lives. The last three years have been really hard. It's been tough. Not only do we even touch on this, but we hire a lot of moms and a lot of our employees have dealt with their children having very significant mental health struggles the past three years. So while it's been tough and exciting in the store and kind of this frenetic energy, it's also been hard at home. And my goal is to bring more joy into our employees' lives, our customers' lives, and our own lives. How do we find that? How do we cultivate that joy? How do we cultivate good rest, the good kind of rest? And what can we do to support that? We're hopefully working with one of our distributors to come up with some sort of curriculum that we can share, management curriculum that centers the person first. We believe anyone can order milk and eggs and everyone can stay on top of that and make sure their spoilage numbers are low. We can teach people that, but how can we teach people to treat other people as whole human beings? What does that look like in management? It's such an important job. People love grocery shopping. It's always amazing to me when we open a new store, it's as if Beyonce came into town, people are talking about it. It's very exciting. And how do we keep that joy, which has been really hard to come by the past few years, and how do we infuse that in everything that we do? And how do we infuse that into our employees' lives? How to make grocery store management a cool, exciting, fun job that feels safe and creative and interesting. And so that's my goals. So I hope that happens. Weird. It, it definitely feels we're coming on the other side. Are we on the other side? Who even knows anymore? But I don't think anyone can argue that everyone's it's been really changed for one way or another. We've all been changed in a way, good or bad. I choose to believe in the end for the good. And yeah, we'll see what happens. I am very proud of us independent retailers, though. I think we are not unique in the independent retailer and the independent grocery store space. I've met other operators. And they all really love what they do and they love their employees. They care for their employees the same way we do. And so I'm excited for for us and our industry. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope the podcast brings you fresh ideas, renewed confidence and energy to keep leading change. If you need a partner in these efforts, I can help you effectively build a thriving workplace culture for all. I'll help you overcome the real barriers to change you face every day and help you lead real change with evidence-based solutions. In particular, I want to work with passionate leaders who have tried and failed. Because I know you have what it takes and your experience will help you clearly recognize the difference I can make. For a free consultation today, please visit my website at www.leading-real-change.com. That's www.leadingrealchange.com.